0: Hello Colts fans and welcome to the Colts Blue Zone Podcast. My name is Joe Hopkins. Joining me as usual is Mike Chapel. Mike, it's a glorious victory Monday in my book. How are you doing? Oh, I've been doing good
1: win or lose, but it's always a little better when they win. It's amazing. We talk about it it's amazing how a community and everything is uplifted by a win by the NFL. So It's a good day. Very good day.
0: It is a good day. Uh, Today on the Colts Blue Zone podcast, we're going to recap the Colts' emphatic win over the Las Vegas Raiders. We'll discuss the many takeaways from that game, a few of the injuries that occurred, and we'll break down the ever-evolving playoff picture in the AFC. But first, we start with a little bit of news. And before the game on Sunday, the Colts announced that rookie linebacker and special teams ace Jordan Glasgow had been placed on the reserve-slash-COVID list. Um, it's unclear at this point if he tested positive or was simply deemed a close contact to someone else who was positive. No other cults were placed on the list, so that's the good news. We'll have to keep an eye on this throughout the week and uh, hope that it doesn't develop into something more. But at, at the time being, it seems like you know whatever happened in Glasgow was isolated to just him. So knock on wood in that area. Um sticking with COVID here, the Colts have reduced fan attendance for their upcoming game against the Houston Texans. It's down from twelve thousand five hundred to just ten thousand. You know, the virus is surging really around the country, but especially here in Indiana. So it's not really surprising to see the Colts scale that back a little bit and just, you know, try and keep things safe, not only for the fans, but for the people working the game as well. Uh, And the last bit of news before we get into the game recap here. The Colts whooped the Raiders so badly that they fired the defensive coordinator, Paul Gunther. Uh, Obviously, this had been something that has been building up for weeks now. It wasn't just the Colts putting 44 up on them. But um, we talked about it on the preview show. Las Vegas had ranked near the bottom in almost every defensive category uh, when compared to the rest of the league. So this has not been a good Raiders defense this year. Gunther had been with the team as the defensive coordinator since 2018. Um, So his reign in charge of the Raiders defense is now over. But before it was over, the 8-4 Colts came to visit his and John Gruden's 7-5 Raiders in Las Vegas. And this was a really big game for both teams. Both teams fighting for a playoff spot in the AFC. Colts came into that game as the AFC's 7th and final playoff seed while the Raiders were eighth, so they were right behind looking to jump into that playoff picture, and the Colts were able to move the ball from the get-go. On the game's first possession, Indy goes 68 yards and 10 plays, but the drive stalls after a first and goal from the sixth. Rodrigo Blankenship knocks through uh, his first of a couple short field goals on the day. The Colts up three early, and we'll have more on Rodrigo Blankenship later. Uh, The Colts, Steve, forces a Three in, out. So they got off to a good start as well. Give the ball right back to the Colts' offense. And this time, the offense is able to finish. T.Y. Hilton capped off an 11-play, 72-yard drive with a sweet touchdown catch over a Las Vegas defender. Uh, It would go on to be an even bigger first half for T.Y. Second week in a row now, we've seen T.Y. just kind of explode in the first half, finding his way into the end zone and finding his way for big gains for Phillip Rivers and the Colts. Uh, the Raiders would then answer that touchdown, though. On second and six, Derek Carr connected with tight end Foster Moreau for a 47-yard touchdown. Carr got it the ball just over the outstretched arm of Kenny Moore. And then Julian Blackman would whiff on the open field tackle. It is now 10-7. Colts still with a three-point lead. And Colts now with the ball. After a 28-yard pass to Jack Doyle, the drive stalls. And the Colts would punt for the first in final time in this ball game Raiders now with a chance to take the lead and they would do just that eight play 83 yard drive ends with a 21 yard touchdown pass to Nelson Aguilar Aguilar also had a 36 yard catch on that drive and was probably Las Vegas's most productive offensive player on the day he would finish with 100 yards uh, and obviously the touchdown Colts now down four but not for long after a nice return by Kick returner and cornerback Isaiah Rogers. The Colts needed just three plays to find the end zone. Four-yard run by Jonathan Taylor. 23-yard pass to Michael Pittman Jr. And then the Colts go deep to who else? T.Y. Hilton. 41-yard touchdown. T.Y. just crossed through the middle of the Las Vegas' defense and Rivers delivered a really nice ball with pressure bearing down on him. Colts back up 17-14. to Hilton's second touchdown of the game and Mike, is just kind of outstanding how T.Y. Hilton in the last three weeks or so has really revived his season.
1: Yeah, we were talking, in, in uh, the, the press guys among us, how this is the first December that he's been healthy for the last three or four years. And it, 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 that coincides with the, the Frank Reich sort of dialing him up more. The, the, they, they can see what they want. They're looking for him more. They are. And, and to have T.Y. trending like this, It just opens things up. Whether the running game opens it up for T.Y. or T.Y. opens it up for the running game, to see him do what he's done the last three weeks is pretty encouraging for what has to happen later on.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, if if you're going to get high at any point in the season, now is the time to do it as you're trying to make the playoffs and go for a run once you get into those playoffs. Uh, But before we look ahead here, we got to finish this game up. It's still the first half, and it looked like it would be a back-and-forth ball game with the Raiders driving once again. But on third and eight from the Colts' 13, Derek Carr underthrows a jump ball in the back of the end zone intended for Darren Waller. Kenny Moore makes maybe the Colts' highlight play of the year so far with a one-handed leaping interception. It was just incredible. After the game, Derek Carr said, quote, one of the best defensive plays I've ever seen in my life in person. Um, Mike, the way he just plucked that ball out of the air with one hand reminded me of Malik Hooker's interception last season against the Chargers. In your opinion, which do you think was more impressive?
1: Probably probably Kenny's, and sometimes it's the the most immediate is the one that sticks in your mind, but I I think he may have come off his his er, receiver and, and got in front of Waller, and it was it was, a, um, I'd say a jump ball, but I mean you got Waller. What is he? Six five, six six.
0: Yeah, he's six six.
1: And Kenny, Kenny's like five five, uh, <laughs> but but he high, he gets it one handed. He he can he maintains one. It's not like he got one hand and got the other one. He took one hand to the ground, and uh, Frank Reich said I thought Odell Beckham was playing defense for us. It was impressive, and if we see a better interception this year it's going to be truly amazing because that that was uh a keeper it was for what it's worth espn had it on his it was number one in the top 10 list and scott van pelt went crazy on it so pretty impressive
0: pretty impressive and not i mean the play itself is impressive but then to take away points from the raiders in doing so You know, they at least would have gotten a field goal out of that. That was just huge. Kenny Moore, second straight game with an interception, and that marked his fourth interception on the season. A new career high for him. If Kenny Moore does not make the Pro Bowl, it will be a damn shame. Continuing on with this game, the Colts take over with about three and a half left in the second quarter, and they might have gone three and out had it not been for a defensive holding penalty on Las Vegas on third and fifteen. Third down conversions on this drive would come up huge. The Colts would convert third and six, third and ten, into third and four on the drive. And on that third and four, Naheem Hines would run for 11 yards with six seconds left, tackled just short of the end zone. The Colts very fortunate to get a timeout with one second left. Blankenship would connect on another chip shot field goal to put Indy up 20-14 to 14 at halftime. All right, second half. Raiders received the ball to start the third quarter. And they get to work. Las Vegas orchestrates a 13-play, 68-yard drive. But after a first and goal at the Colts' 9-yard line, Indy Stephen steps up and forces a field goal, 20-17. to 17. And then on the Colts' next possession, this is what I consider the Colts' offensive highlight of the game. As Jonathan Taylor ripped off a 62-yard touchdown, uh, he would take a draw play off the right side and just find a massive hole uh, up the middle, created by Kelly and Glowinski, had a huge part in that, and Soda Nelson had a great block as well, great blocking all around by the Colts' offensive line. Um, and then Taylor Speed would just do the rest as he outran the Raiders' secondary. It was the rookie's longest play of his career, and the Colts' longest play from scrimmage, Mike, as you noted, since Marlon Mack's 63-yard touchdown run in last season's opener against the Chargers, the second time that game came up, uh, just kind of randomly there, but After the game, Taylor described it as, quote, getting a bit of fresh air. I like that a lot. And, man, this rookie, hes really seems to be finding his footing in the NFL.
1: Yeah, and we've been – Stephen Holder and I, you know, Stephen's with us on Blue Zone on Sundays. And he and I have both been been harping on more T.Y., more T.Y., more Taylor, more Taylor. And, again, I don't know that – to save Taylor for December, but that works this way. He's a guy that needs to have the ball in his hands 18, 20 times. It happens with all great backs, but he's 20 for 150 yesterday. He had 12 carries for three yards or fewer, and he had six for 133 yards. That's what the great backs do it's minus, minus, and then it's three, zero, five, and then they break off 12, 12 and then something big, and that, that that's what he brings, that's what they wanted, they want the explosive place, Naheem Hines gave him a 31-yard run, and, and some other 12 or 13-yard runs as well, so if you feed your backs enough, a guy like Taylor, with his speed, he's going to run away from people on occasion.
0: Yeah, and that's something that's kind of In contrast to what the Colts were getting earlier in the year where, you know, both the running game where they're getting more five, eight yards a pop instead of those 15 to 20 yarders. And even in the passing game, we noted in shows past how Philip Rivers, yeah, he would have a lot of those 15 to 20 yard passes, but not a lot of those big over the top 40 yarders that we've been seeing of late. So the Colts offense really seems to be putting it together. When it matters most Uh, in the game. Now, after Taylor's run, the Colts are now up by 10 points and on the Raiders ensuing drive, the Colts defense would again bend, but not break Indy clamped down after first and goal at the 10, the Raiders 14 play 70 yard drive would end in another field goal. And I mean, you can give up all the yards you want. In my opinion, as long as you're making them kick field goals instead of touchdowns, that's a win for the defense. Um, Go ahead. Do you have something yeah. to say? Mike?
1: We go back and look at it and it's it, it was a trend of the second half. Over the last over the last five games, this defense is giving up one touchdown in the second half. One. And this and this was carr's, you know, cosmetic touchdown at the end of uh Sunday. So whatever they're do- doing at halftime, they're really finding ways to limit offenses. I think they've given up six field goals in the last five games in the second half. That's how you win games. You're, you're right. Finish drives. That's what you. When you don't finish drives, you let teams hang around. The Colts aren't letting teams do that.
0: Now the Colts defense making great adjustments at halftime, and it's paying off for them. Uh, let's see. Well, like you just said, while Las Vegas was scoring field goals, the Colts were scoring touchdowns. Indy would then go on a ten-play, seventy-five-yard drive that saw Ty Hilton pick up a couple first downs. Naheem Hines' run of 31, which you had mentioned earlier, that was a career high for him. A uh, career long run, I should say. And then Taylor would finish things off with the touchdowns from three yards out. That makes it 34-20 to 20 with about nine and a half minutes left to go in the game. And any hopes of a Raiders comeback were quickly put to rest by Kenny Moore, who on Las Vegas' first play of the next drive would knock the ball out of Hunter Renfro's hands. The fumble was recovered by the Colts. At the Raiders 26 yard line, Uh, the Colts will go conservative on that next drive, three straight runs, including on third and 13. Jonathan Taylor actually picked up 12 yards on that play, and he wondered for a second if Wright would go for it on fourth and one. He wisely opted to just kick the field goal and make it a three score game, go up 17 to 20 with seven minutes left to go. But, Mike, I got kind of nervous there thinking, is Frank Wright going to go for it here and give the Raiders a chance to stay in the game?
1: I, I thought that at the end of the first half when it's uh, at the one-yard line or two-yard line with a second to go, and I thought, you know, is he going to roll the dice and really try to put a dagger in these guys? But you, t- you take points. And, and this was the time to, again, take points and put them 3 down and don't get too cute like they did and and there's times to be aggressive and take risk and this latest field goal was not one of them take your points and and really put them in a hole
0: I agree with that and it kind of seems I don't know maybe this is just me but it seems like Frank Wright is finding more of that balance between being aggressive on fourth down and then also just knowing when to be conservative and run the ball three times and just take your field goal and go up by three scores because he knew at that point in the game, a three-possession ball game, the way your defense is playing, it's pretty much at hand. Um, the Raiders now in desperation mode. A pass intended for Jalen Richard goes off of his mitts and into the hands of Carter Willis, who returns at 50 yards for a touchdown. Um, that would mark the Colts' fourth defensive touchdown of the season. As you noted, Mike, tying a team record uh, for the eighth time in team history. In the NFL record, if you're wondering, I know you're not because you provided this stat. But if our listeners were run, wondering, is nine. So the Colts they, they got a bit to go before they they get that NFL record. But who knows? Crazier things have happened. Uh, that would just about do it in this ball game. As you had mentioned, the Raiders would score a garbage time touchdown to make themselves feel a little better. Final score: forty-four to twenty-seven out in Vegas. It was the most points scored in the Frank Wright era and the most points the Colts have scored since 2014. The Colts are now 9-4 and for the first time since 2014 as they tried to reach the playoffs for the first time since 2018 and the second time in six seasons. Takeaways, Mike, we got to start with the offense. This is the best the offense has looked all year long. Uh, They scored on seven of their eight drives, excluding the final kneel downs at the end of the game, of course. Not going to count that against him. Uh, Jonathan Taylor had a career to 150 yards, two touchdowns on 20 carries. He added two catches for 15 yards through the air. Uh, he, he really appears to be getting it going. Just looks a lot more comfortable out there. Looks like he's reacting instead of thinking. Um, he's now has 331 yards over his past three games. Uh, at least 90 rushing yards in each of his last three games. And this is what the Colts hoped for when they drafted him, and this is what fans thought they would see all season long once Marlon Mack went down. you know They kind of leaned on him heavily earlier in the year, got away from him a little bit with more of a committee approach, and now it seems like they're turning back to Taylor as Taylor in the offense gets more comfortable. Uh, Another player who seems to be getting more comfortable, T.Y. Hilton. His late season resurgence continues. He had five catches for 86 yards and two scores on the day. Uh, I mean, the contrast between the last three weeks and the rest of the season is just huge. I mean, weeks one through 10, he had 26 catches, 291 yards, no touchdowns. And then the last three weeks, 11 through 13, 17 catches, 277 yards, and four touchdowns. Mike, you stated, you know, how they kind of go, oh, we've been going to TY all year. He's been good all year. It's just finally happening for him. But it does seem like there seems to be a concerted effort to get him the ball a little more or at least from Philip Rivers seems to be looking to him a little bit more. And whether they're looking to him more or him and Rivers just finally are making that connection and are clicking, uh, this is just huge.
1: Well, maybe it's getting involved early. I mean, remember he had the big first half against uh, at Houston. And when you get him going early, then the other about where he is the rest of the game. But they're putting him in positions, uh, to make plays that matter. The deep ball, the 41 yard touchdown, would have been 81 yards if they had more field to work with. He was that open. So I just think that they're putting in, 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 even on the 12, 13, 19 yard passes, they're key, they're key situations. You know, third and whatever, third and whatever. So it's, yeah, it, it, they're making a more concerted effort to get him involved. And this will be for later on, but is he making a push? To return here, uh, and, and if you're the Colts and you, you li- listen to Frank Reich talk about Ty Hilton, he totally believes in this guy, he believes he's what the kind of player you need here. The question is going to be w- when the numbers aren't going to be what you want them to be at the end of the year, for what on Ty standards is how much do you reinvest in a guy who's 31 and for a lot of the season was quiet? So, I, I think. But if you listen to Frank, they've got four or five guys on this roster that he will go to war to keep T.Y. and and Jack Doyle and people like that. You need to have players on your roster like that. The question is, can you afford them?
0: Yep. Can you afford them? And I feel like. This is just me um, spitballing here, but I almost feel like the decision to re-sign Hilton almost goes hand-in-hand with Phillip Rivers. Like, do we make one more push for it and sink our money into this? Even though these players are a little older, they were pretty productive for us this season. If something unforeseen happens with Rivers and he doesn't come back, maybe the Colts don't feel as compelled to push for another year and let T.Y. go. But we have plenty of podcasts in the future to talk about all of that. Um, Rivers himself had another very nice game 19 of 28 for 244 yards two touchdowns the 39 year old hat now has a 16 to 4 touchdown to interception ratio over his last eight games so you know the first few games were shaky we always mentioned the Cleveland Browns game uh, where he had two interceptions and I believe no touchdowns as kind of that turning point where you're like is this gonna work out this year but ever since then Rivers has been playing very well playing through that turf toe injury and really impressing a lot of people. Uh, And then the last thing I need to mention about, you know, who played well for the Colts on offense, the offensive line played very well. Zero sacks allowed. Rivers had a clean pocket all day long. And they opened big holes in the run game. 212 rushing yards, 6.8 yards per carry. Uh, The rushing yards were a season high for that offense. The total yards were a season high for that offense. 456 um, and then they also converted eight of 11 third downs. Uh, another season high for the offense. Um, a lot of this came on big plays, explosive plays, something the Colts in the offseason said they needed to work on. That's why they brought in Pittman Jr. And Jonathan Taylor, Mike, you noted in your article on Fox 59 and CBS 4 Indy.com that rivers completed seven passes of 17 yards or more. Uh, and the run game had big, big plays too. obviously, Taylor's 62-yard run, Hines' 31-yard run. But Taylor added runs of 18, 13, another 13, and then 15. So they were getting chunk plays all game long. Honestly, if they played for another hour, they might have put 60 up on the Raiders because their defense was that bad in this game. Let's not get too excited. It was against a terrible defense that the Colts did this. But with a lot of new pieces, now seems to be coming together all at the you know, time of year that you wanted to, all in crunch time when things really, really matter. Uh, Mike, you know, we kind of talked about in the preview show that your confidence was growing this offense, but you weren't quite sure on it yet. This level now after this performance.
1: Well, again, taking into consideration, it was a Raider defense and they just fired their coordinator. Uh, it, it is very high. I, I thought the offensive line had one of its better games. Uh, no sacks to Rivers the Raiders had one hit on a quarterback who is not mobile on his best day with turf toe. So uh, it, it was really uh, impressive that the run lanes were there, not just for Taylor, but for Hines as well. Wilkins picked up a key third and one uh, before the, uh, the long touchdown run. So I, I, I'd like to know from Frank Wright and his, and his offensive staff's viewpoint, when they look at the tape, what were your negatives? And, and were you, are you just nitpicking over a game like this? Because so much worked. Uh, the passes, there weren't too many passes where you thought, boy, what's he doing? And there were a couple where he and the receivers weren't on the same page. Uh, Marcus Johnson had a play on a third down that Rivers went over to him and said, you know, what the hell are you doing? Uh, but But I think it's encouraging. And in December, you want to either be playing for Trevor Lawrence or you want to be trending. And right now, the Colts' offense and the team is trending in the
0: right direction. They certainly are. I mean, in the defense, all in all, played a pretty good game as well, despite giving up 246 yards and struggling to get pressure on Carr. They had no sacks, but they, too, found a way to make big plays. They forced Las Vegas to kick two field goals in the second half when the Raiders were looking at first and goal. And then they scored 13 points off of three turnovers, obviously Willis' took care of one of them himself that he just ran in. Um, And then Kenny Moore's two turnovers resulted in two field goals that, you know, obviously you like to get touchdowns instead of field goals, but still you'll take it and the Colts will take the win here. Uh, Let's see, Mike, any other takeaways from this game that we hadn't yet mentioned?
1: No, just just probably, I think without question, the most complete game, bad hiccups, uh, nothing, nothing in the, in the special teams. And a lot of times when you don't see a, a special team's negative, it's a really, really good day, and they had that. So, no, just a com- complete Th- – these are the kind of trips you like to go to Vegas. You come <laughs> home and you're not bitching about anything. So uh, if, if only all of us could do that more often in our, in our life, go to Vegas and not complain when we get home.
0: That's right. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, time now to talk about our offensive and defensive players of the game Mike, I'll let you start with the offensive player of the game. Several choices to choose from, but I think I know who you're going to pick.
1: Mike, you got to go with Taylor. Uh, it, it, it as as important as it is to get Ty going. As important as it is for Rivers to be playing this efficient, when you get the running game going, it opens up everything. Uh, you know, if Reich wanted to, they just could have pounded the ball a lot more and got more yardage, But 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 they did a good good job of mixing it. When you give Jonathan Taylor 20 carries, he's going to have five or six plays that are special. And that's what just drives a defense crazy when you can't control the run game.
0: Yeah, Taylor nominated for the NFL's FedEx Ground Player of the Week. And, you know, he might have had a good chance of winning it if it wasn't for hey, Derrick Henry.
1: Henry kind of went bonkers again, didn't
0: he? <laughs> yeah, oops, he did that thing again that he does <laughs> quite often. Uh, I mean, every time he plays the Jaguars, I just think of that one run from, I think it was last Thursday, a, a Thursday night game from last season or maybe the one before where he just runs in stiff arms. Seemingly the entire Jaguars defense. But, yeah, I think uh, Colts fans can be happy that they don't play the Titans anymore at least in the regular season. Um, Yeah, Jonathan Taylor would also have to be my offensive player of the game. Um, You know, I I could get cute and maybe turn to Anthony Costanzo for getting through a knee injury and playing very well. Um, You know, he did leave for a little bit, and we'll talk about that in a second, but I got to go with Taylor. On the defensive side of the ball, my man Kenny Moore. I got to go with Kenny Moore. He had the amazing interception. Uh, He also forced a fumble, so he, you know, had a hand in two of their four, I mean, sorry, two of their three turnovers. And I believe, if I'm not mistaken, he added five tackles in that game as well. So he's playing lights out. Um, I think really at this moment, no one is a better slot or nickel cornerback in the league than Kenny Moore. And I mean, Mike, is there anyone else in your consideration for a defensive player of the game?
1: No, and what, he, what was mentioned by, by someone, and he agreed with it, he needed that, that kind of rebound with that interception. He got beat on the touchdown, uh, the, the long touchdown early, and then before the interception, his interception, had the horse collar tackle. And he just said, I can't be doing that. So to, to, the the fact that corners are supposed to have these short memories, you put the bad place behind him. And again, that what I wrote about, on the website last night, was this league's all about big plays. It's just about making plays that matter, the shock plays, and he came up with two of them. Uh, At Houston, he had two big ones in the end zone uh, near the end of the game. So that's what he does and uh, his impact. If he doesn't make the Pro Bowl, it will be a shame because he's playing at a Pro Bowl level without question.
0: It really is. And there, there are several Colts players who are deserving of a Pro Bowl appearance and may or may not get it. I really hope more than anyone else Kenny Moore does because I know the Darius Leonard's and DeForest Buckner's, they all get their praise and their due, but I'm sure a lot less fans around the country are aware of Kenny Moore and how well that he plays. Um, now for the disappointing part of the podcast, it's time to talk about some injuries. Uh, All-pro linebacker Darius Leonard left the game in the fourth quarter with a back injury. As well as Xavier Rhodes, who left in the third quarter with a knee injury, uh, we'll hopefully get more, you know, uh, insight into the severity of both of those injuries as the week goes along. But Mike, any have you gotten any updates on either of them yet?
1: The only thing I got on on Xavier Rhodes, I, I texted someone and they said, "Well, you know, we think he's fine. We go through drama with Xavier almost on a on a weekly basis, <laughs> so." So I think that was their way of saying he's going to be okay. And to leads us into Anthony Costanzo and, uh, he, to only miss one game with a sprained MCL is pretty amazing. And you kind of thought maybe the way the game started, he came back too soon. I think he played, yeah. five, he f- had five plays and the knee kind of, he said grabbed on him, uh, and he lost strength and I'm sure mobility. And he went into the locker room and they tested it somehow. Well, I don't, Whatever that encompasses, but he came back and played pretty well. If you watched him play the first four or five plays, he wasn't really able to anchor and, and drive. He looked awkward, but uh, he, he he came through it and played really well. But he showed you he showed you what the Colts believe, what they think about backup left tackle. because they put nelson out there for crying out loud i
0: told you
1: (laughs) yeah it's obvious they're going to do whatever they have to to not put Chaz green at left tackle
0: yeah yeah they they put Castans out there and the plays that he was at left tackle i don't think i watched anything else except for nelson out there and he i mean it was only a few plays but he held up pretty well um, you know, it, it, hopefully they won't have to do that again this season or next season. As hopefully they can get a, a more secure backup left tackle into the building. Um, let's see, were there any other injuries that I missed this week, Mike?
1: No, that that it was, you know, knock on wood. was uh, Darius, we won't know. And I'm, I'm guessing he missed a, a day of practice last week. They're in they're in rest mode with a lot of their players. I think he had Friday off. Uh, I won't be surprised if he's given another day off, whether that's going to be normal rest or, or for the back and whether he just got kind of written. Somebody said I think DeForest button or somebody fell on him uh, over on the sidelines. We'll see, but knowing him and, and the way he is, it's going to take, unless a, a bone is sticking out of the skin, he'll play against the Texans.
0: Yeah, I was almost going to say, you know, with a, Okariki back. Let's let's give him some rest because those back injuries can tend to linger. But with Darius Leonard, he's going to be out there unless someone, you know, chains him down. Um, let's look over now to the playoff picture. Well, before we do that, I'll have to remind you guys that we'll have updates on all these injuries as the week goes along on Twitter at Colts Blue Zone. So follow us there for all the latest info on the Colts injuries and everything else regarding the Colts. Now we'll end the show with a look at the playoff picture. With this win and the Dolphins lost Sunday to the Chiefs, the Colts slide up into the AFC's sixth seed, uh, and the eight and five Dolphins are now in the seventh seed. Uh, the Titans keep hold of the division lead with the win that we mentioned over the Jaguars. And uh, tonight, the nine and three Browns play the seven and five Ravens in a game that has a lot of playoff implications. You know, this is. I don't want to say a must-win, but it's almost a must-win at this point for the Ravens. I'm honestly not even sure, as a Colts fan, Mike, who should we be rooting for in this game? Obviously, eliminating the Ravens would be good because the Colts don't have the tiebreaker. But, you know, if the Browns lose a couple more games this year, they might be able to jump the Browns in the playoff seeding, but they also don't have the tiebreaker against the Browns. So where should we go in this game?
1: Yeah, I'm, I'm looking at that. and My, my initial reaction is it says you want Cleveland to win to push Baltimore heavily out of it. But if you look at Cleveland, they finish with what? Uh, where's Cleveland? Okay, Baltimore. Then they're at the Giants. They're at the Jets. That's, that's homecoming week. But then they finish with Pittsburgh. So the, they, they could lose a couple more. I just think right now it's more important to get a team – you know, there's nine teams vying for seven spots. It's more important to get Baltimore another loss and get them sort of out of the picture. Uh, It's going to be so hard for the Colts to win the division because of that that season opening loss at Jacksonville. It puts them behind the eight ball with a division record on tie break, and I don't know that, you know, Tennessee's not going to lose another division game. So, uh I think I think you kind of hope for Cleveland unless someone can, can argue differently. And if you if you win if you win out you're in the playoffs. If you go two and one, you're probably in the playoffs. Uh but but again you, you were able to, to give yourself space with the with the Raiders. Miami losing was huge. I'll probably be pulling for Cleveland tonight.
0: Yeah, it's a good point. And plus come on, they're the Browns. They deserve some, to win some games. It's good to root for them from time to time, whether you like Baker Mayfield or not. Um, yeah, that's a good point with the division. It's looking less and less likely, even though both the Colts and the Titans are nine and four. I mean, the Titans, unless they lose to the Jaguars or the Texans, that means they would need to lose to the Packers. And then the Colts would have to win out, including beating the Steelers who have lost two in a row. Now they are not looking as good.
1: Tennessee finishes home with Detroit at Green Bay at Houston.
0: Okay. So yeah, because they just played the Jaguars. They
1: just thumped the, so they would have to lose to Houston at Houston, which is possible. Uh, but but to, Houston's got a god awful run defense, so Henry may run for three hundred that day. But uh, I, I just think again, we 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 said at the time that losing in June was going to come back and bite these guys, and it might very well do that as far as the division, which means a home playoff game in the first round.
0: Yeah, so that's something. Although you know. I think the Colts would feel pretty comfortable going down to Tennessee and getting another victory. They've already done that once this year, but obviously you would prefer to play at home, clearly. You know, that'll just about do it for us today on the Colts Blue Zone podcast. We will be back on Thursday. Dave Griffiths will join us for that show as we preview the Colts' upcoming matchup against the Houston Deshaun Watsons. I mean, Texans. Got to feel bad for Deshaun Watson, but we'll talk about that more on Thursday. Until then, thanks for listening, and take it easy, Colts fans.